where you're going today. I'm going to Children's Mercy Hospital to see my dentist. For my Dee Dee and Gypsy were on their way to Kansas City on an angel flight from Springfield to be seen by doctors at Children's Mercy. I all the time say between Angel Flight, the Hope Lodge, and Children's Mercy, they saved my baby's life. And that's when we found Dee Dee Blanchard uh, deceased and uh, of a violent nature. This is where I just like, this stuff makes me so enraged. Hi, my name is Ethan, and for the next while, we'll be taking a deep dive into the dark corners of the world that the media tends to avoid. The mission of the Crime Brought to Light podcast is to talk about any and all cases, no matter how dark, dirty, or disgusting they may be. If this is your first time on one of my deep dive documentaries, first off, hello, welcome, and second off, let me go over with some rules that you need to follow before you begin this video. Rule number one, grab a soft blanket. It. Rule number two, grab your favorite drink. And rule number three, buckle up because this is about to get very, very dark. And I'm not going to be talking about crimes of people stealing a little kid's bike, which those are bad in itself, but I'm going to be talking about cases so bad that I'm literally going to have to censor every other word at this point. Please excuse me for a brief moment while I tell you a little more about myself because the thing I'm not going to be doing is stopping middle of the story to shout out my Instagram. That is what we're not going to do, okay? <laughs> My Instagram is crime brought to light. Same on here. I would love to get more people on there just because I share things about my personal life and I also post additional true crime stories. Today's sponsors are brought to you by no one yet again, but technically I think it might be brought to you by someone because in the last video, someone tipped me $5 to get me a nice warm cup of coffee and let me tell you that coffee is the reason why this video is here today and also a little backstory as to how i started was two years ago i started making true crime stories on tiktok and a few months ago i had to make a very difficult decision if one i wanted to work a full-time job and stop tiktok and producing content altogether because working a full-time job and then also producing content is not for the faint of heart. It leaves you no time to do anything. So I had to decide between that or take a leap of faith and talk about true crime and try to bring all these cases to light and quit my full-time job. Please consider supporting me by becoming a member today. It's literally just $3 a month. $3 a month, you get early access to videos, you get to say in the next stories that I talk about, and you also get a shout out at the end of every video. If you don't wanna become a member, totally fine, no hard feelings, but you want to still support me and my podcast, please feel free to leave a tip on the little tip button there. And if you want to become a member, click the join button. Now let's talk about this last video that I just posted. If I could describe posting videos in a couple words, it would be a roller coaster. Actually, I think that's one word, but still anyways, a roller coaster is how I would describe producing videos. I was 110% sure that this video was the best thing I've ever made in my life. Was so proud of it, especially because I poured in several hours of work into editing and recording, writing the scripts all by myself. When I posted it, I was still feeling like 110%, this is the best video ever. Well, I posted on Sunday, come Tuesday night, I pull up the video and there's only 84 views. So in my mind, I'm like, oh God, maybe this, maybe this wasn't the best thing I've ever posted in my life. Then I woke up the next morning to see the video had a little under 2000 views. To say I was shocked 
is an understatement. I want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm not just saying this because I want you to keep watching me, which I do, but I'm literally saying this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for watching the video from the start to the end, because let me tell you, that helps me out tremendously. Watching the video from start to end helps influencers, helps content creators, because that is where they get more exposure for other people on the homepage. Yes, I do talk about popular true crime cases, but I want you to know where my heart truly lies. The name crime brought to light is not talking about Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer, those cases that everyone knows about. I want to say that talking about cases that are swept under the rug or kept from the media is my goal to talk about every single one of those. Anyways, that is my spill. Grab a soft blanket, a soft drink, and let's dive right in. Everything we are going to be talking about today is still quote alleged just because it's based off of my research that I've read from sources. And if you've not heard the tragic story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, let me tell you, you were either one, living under a rock, or two, living under a rock. It's either option one or two, nothing in between. Let's do a 180 because this is my warning to you. We are going to be talking about extreme cases of CA. If you get to the end of this video and you think I might be going through something similar to Gypsy Rose Blanchard or I'm getting hurt by my parents, please, please, please know that there is help for you. Or even if you know someone that might be going through current CA, please call 800-799-7233. That is the National DV hotline. You will remain completely anonymous. There are people out there who are willing to help you. If you have no information regarding this tragic story that we are about to jump into, no worries because I'm going to be telling you the full thing from start to end. But I'm going to be fully upfront and honest and state that I firmly believe Gypsy Rose Blanchard should be released from jail. And here is why. of Gypsy was a 110% normal birth. Dee Dee, Gypsy's mother, whose real name is Claudine, had become pregnant by her newlywed husband, Rod, when she was 24 years old and he was 17. As you guys know, age gaps are a big pet peeve of mine when it comes to ages that involve a technical minor, but that's besides the point. Let's move on. The entire pregnancy was normal, no complications or anything. When she was born, even deciding on her name was easy. They decided to pick Gypsy as Dee Dee was obsessed with that name and they added Rose because Rod liked the band Guns N' Roses. Not long after Gypsy's birth, Rod and Dee Dee allegedly argued a lot as they just had a new addition. I mean, they went from having to take care of themselves only to now a little newborn baby. I feel that argument are bound to happen. Eventually, Rod decided that he had enough and claimed he, quote, 
got married for the wrong reasons, leaving Dee Dee and her newborn baby girl. She tried several times to get him to come back, saying that they could try to work things out, but he was not having it. And I just want to give some insight as to Dee Dee. Like, I can only imagine how hard that is from now having a newborn baby girl and your husband just leaves you so you are forced to raise your baby girl by yourself. I will say, even though Rod did split up from Dee Dee, he still wanted to be in Gypsy's life and be her father. So props to him as he would often give Dee Dee a break as he would pop in from time to time, relieving her of the duties of being a mother. Rod informed reporters that after three months of their daughter being born, Dee Dee was convinced that the baby was suffering from sleep apnea. There are countless reports that state that every mother, especially when it's their first time, thinks something is wrong with my baby. Each time Dee Dee would tell Rod something was wrong with Gypsy, he would brush it off as neither one of them had experiences with taking care of a newborn. She would take Gypsy to the doctors often where they would have her spend the night with a heart monitor and they would just take notes on the baby as she was sleeping. After several, and I mean several tests, they all came back as Gypsy was a perfectly normal, healthy baby girl who was not suffering with sleep apnea. But Dee Dee did not believe the doctors, of course. She felt in her gut something more underlying was going on and her daughter was unhealthy. This was where some people speculate that her actions could have been from postpartum or the fact that she's seeking someone's approval on her accusations about Gypsy, but Dee Dee continued to add more and more medical conditions to her newborn baby. She then began to tell her friends and family that Gypsy suffered from an unspecified chromosomal disorder and muscular dystrophy, which meant she she needed to use a walker. Where's the medical backup for this? Did no one ask her, hey, let's go to the doctor's visit with you just so we can get like a second year or anything? None of this makes sense to me how people just like turned a blind eye and was like, oh yeah, what Didi's saying is 100% true. Fast forward eight years from now, while eight-year-old Gypsy was riding the four-wheeler with her grandfather, they were in a minor accident where she got a small bruise on her knee and Didi went ballistic. She rushed her to the hospital and when they came out of it she was in a wheelchair so she went from having a bruise to now coming out of the hospital in a wheelchair. Dee Dee started to tell everyone that Gypsy was now bound in a wheelchair and the hospital said she would never walk again. I can only imagine the pain the grandfather felt after being told Gypsy was no longer able to walk because of an accident that he caused. Going two more years into the future, Gypsy and her mother attended the Special Olympics in 2001 where she named the honorary eight-year-old queen of crew of Mid-City. Basically, that was a child-oriented parade held during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And before you comment, Ethan, you said two years later and she won the eight-year-old medal. Yes, that is because even though Gypsy was legally and technically 10 years old, Dee Dee told everyone she was only eight years old. By second grade, Gypsy was taken out of school, fully cutting her off from the real world. Rod eventually remarried to a woman with the name of Christy, and Dee Dee moved her and Gypsy into Dee Dee's father and stepmother's home as they were struggling financially because of medical bills. 
shocker. And let me just add that the doctor visits never stopped. From Gypsy being born all the way to now being 10 or 8 years old, they continuously went to the doctors where Dee Dee begged the specialist to diagnose her with whatever disorder she thought Gypsy had. One thing I found extremely interesting and honestly damning on Dee Dee's part was shortly after they moved in, her stepmother began to become extremely sick. They took her to the doctor several times, but specialists were unable to figure out what exactly was going on. They would ask her questions about what she was putting in her body, but it's not like the stepmother was eating stuff out of the ordinary or even things that she wasn't supposed to eat. If anything, her diet seemed to be relatively healthy. It was later found that when Dee Dee would prepare a meal, she would put Roundup Weed Killer in her food and was slowly poisoning, or honestly, at this point, I'm gonna say her. Dee Dee's father and stepmother awkwardly confronted her about poisoning her, and as soon as they did, Dee Dee became extremely offended. To play devil's advocate, saying in a perfect world that Dee Dee wasn't poisoning her stepmother, I could see where Dee Dee would become offended because here you are living with your father and stepmother, and they come to say, hey, you've been poisoning your stepmother, why are you doing this? I feel that anyone's valid response would be to get offensive as saying, like, that is not what I'm doing, even though, of course, to reports, Dee Dee was, allegedly. She then packed her and Gypsy up and they moved to New Orleans. At this point, Gypsy was completely cut off from the real world. She went from being around public school kids and family to just family and now only her mother. Another little nugget of information was yes, I believe Dee Dee moved her and Gypsy to New Orleans because of the accused poisoning of her stepmother but also because police knew Dee Dee all too well. She was arrested several times on minor offenses for writing bad checks. Moving away not only cut them off from people who loved and cared for them, but also they got away from the police and started a fresh start where no one knew them. Oh, and let me add, after they moved, the stepmother's health magically returned to normal. The pair lived in public housing in Slidell. Dee Dee was able to stay on top of her bills by using Ra's child support payments and the monthly public assistance checks she would receive as the government assumed that Gypsy had several medical conditions. They would spend the majority of their time going to see various specialists seeking treatment for all of the illnesses Gypsy had. Dee Dee and Gypsy were on their way to Kansas City on an angel flight from Springfield to be seen by doctors at Children's Mercy. I all the time say between Angel Flight, the Hope Lodge, and Children's Mercy, they saved my baby's life. Apparently during the move to New Orleans, Gypsy had developed hearing and vision problems. And this next part blew my mind. While a muscle biopsy showed absolutely no sign of muscular dystrophy that Dee Dee claimed Gypsy had, she was still successful in securing treatment for her daughter's other illnesses she had. After she told doctors Gypsy had seizures every few months, they prescribed anti-seizure medications. Several surgeries were performed on her during this time and Claudine regularly took Gypsy to the emergency room for minor things. And this is where I just like, 
I have to take like a deep breath because this stuff makes me so enraged. These are medical specialists. How has no one raised an eyebrow saying there's nothing wrong with your daughter and you're over here giving her anti-seizure medicine where she has no signs of seizures and there are no medical records? Where are the specialists? Where are the adults in this situation? Because apparently there are no adults. Governor of Louisiana said today that she is considering the remarkable step of evacuating the remaining residents of New Orleans. By 4 o'clock, Katrina grows into a Category 1 hurricane. With 80 mile an hour winds, it sideswipes through Florida. As many know, in 2005, Hurricane Katrina destroyed the area, and it so happened that was the same area Dee Dee and Gypsy were living in. They relocated to a shelter in Covington, Louisiana. The shelter was set up for individuals that were suffering with special needs. When Dee Dee went to the shelter, she and Gypsy almost didn't get in, but Dee Dee was really good at convincing people of Gypsy's illnesses. She claimed that Gypsy's medical records, including her birth certificate, were destroyed in the hurricane and they believed her just enjoy this awkward silence because that's that's all I can add to words right now it's just an awkward silence a doctor from the Ozarks suggested they relocate to Missouri and a month later they were airlifted there gotta love the special treatment when they moved to Missouri they lived in a rental house but Didi was not shy about gaining pity from people she literally told everyone and anyone she met the heartfelt story, or lie if you will, of her daughter Gypsy Rose Blanchard. She claimed Gypsy, quote, suffered every day and, quote, it was just so expensive to be her mother, end quote. She also marketed on the fact that she was a single mother who her and her daughter were forced to leave their home after a devastating hurricane hit, Gypsy was honored by the Olay Foundation, which advocates for the rights of feeding tube recipients as its 2007 Child of the Year. In 2008, Habitat for Humanity built a small wheelchair-accessible home with a hot tub for Gypsy and her mother to live in. The news was talking about the Blanchard family a lot, and because of this, the town had poured in a ton of support. Which, in terms of like the outlook on the community, that is a great community. Like, I would love to be a part of a community that would pour in several thousands of dollars into families in need. Except the fact that Didi was lying and they actually were not in need of anything at this point. Didi would also continuously lie about Gypsy's age and painted her to be a sweet little 14 year old girl, but at this time she was about to turn not 15, not 16, not even 17, but she was about to turn 18 years old. Where there is a lot of support, there is a lot of money. Here is a list of only some of the free things they received because of Gypsy Rose being, quote, sick. Number one, occasional stays in the Ronald McDonald houses during medical appointments. Number two, free flights to see doctors. Number three, free trips to Disney. Number four, backstage passes to Miranda Lambert concerts. Number five, their new house was paid off. And number six, monthly charitable donations. Also, let me mention the fact that Rod is still paying child support, which was increments of $1,200 every month. He would also buy gifts for Gypsy during special holidays like her birthday, Christmas, etc. Despite Dee Dee having complete control of Gypsy's life, Rod and his second wife, Christy, regularly hoped to get to Springfield and visit her. But for a variety of reasons, Dee Dee would change plans. 
She told her neighbors in Springfield that Gypsy Rose's father was an abusive drug addict and alcoholic who never came to terms with his daughter's health issues and never sent them any money. I don't even know at this point. Literally, how is she not only going to one, lie about her daughter's medical conditions, ruining her daughter's life, but two, drag her ex-husband's name through the mud, painting him to be an alcoholic who never sent them any money when, to be quite frank, he was anything but that. He was the opposite of what Didi was telling people. According to Astro-Databank, they stated, quote, many people who met Gypsy were charmed by her. Her 5 foot, 150 centimeter height, nearly toothless mouth, large glasses, and high childlike voice reinforced the perception that she had all the problems her mother claimed she did. Gypsy often wore wigs or hats to cover her baldness. Her mother regularly shaved Gypsy's head to mimic the hairless appearance of chemotherapy patient, allegedly telling Gypsy that since her medication would eventually cause her hair to fall out, it was best to shave it in advance. When they left the house, Dee Dee often took an oxygen tank and feeding tube with them. Gypsy was fed the children's liquid nutrition supplements, Pediasure, well into her 20s, end quote. Here is a list of all of the medical conditions Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy had, and I'm going to try to recite them all from memory. Leukemia, muscular dystrophy, a vision impairment, hearing impairment, an illness that was rotting her teeth out. Uh... Let me go back. Leukemia, muscular dystrophy causing her not able to walk. Vision impairment, hearing impairment, something that was rotting her teeth out, the brain capacity of a seven-year-old, brain damage, and I think that's it. I almost forgot the inability to swallow foods and feed herself. That is a lot of illnesses that quite simply do not even exist. By this point, it is obvious that Dee Dee was physically and mentally a her daughter to maintain full control. She was seen always holding her daughter's hand in an extremely tight grip squeeze and hovering over her. She basically was a helicopter mom on steroids. As Gypsy would get older, oftentimes she would say something in public that would cause someone to raise an eyebrow and think, hmm, maybe she doesn't have the brain capacity of a seven-year-old because what she just said was pretty adult-like. Each time Gypsy would do this, Didi would wait until they were alone and then would strike her with either her own hands or a coat hanger. Didi was literally head first into the idea of Gypsy being sick. It is unclear if at this point she believed everything she was saying was wrong with her daughter or if she was addicted to the pity and thousands of dollars they would receive from charity events. Either way, Dee Dee wanted to continue to make Gypsy look as sick as possible. She even went as far as treating Gypsy's saliva glands with Botox to cause her to drool excessively. After literally 17 years of Dee Dee getting by with lying about Gypsy's conditions, finally one doctor, one doctor was like, hmm, something is not adding up. The doctor's name is Bernardo Flasterstein, who was a pediatric neurologist who saw Gypsy as a patient in Springfield and had become suspicious of her muscular dystrophy as after several tests such as MRIs, drawing blood, all came back as showing she had nothing wrong. He even told Didi, quote, I don't see any reason why she doesn't walk. He then told her to stand up and Gypsy did right before his eyes. She was able to fully stand up and support her weight. 
He then contacted Gypsy's doctors in New Orleans because even though Dee Dee claimed that all her medical records were lost in the hurricane, he still wanted to see what he could find. After contacting Gypsy's doctors in New Orleans, he learned that Gypsy's original muscular biopsy had come back negative as well. He then wondered why was Dee Dee still claiming Gypsy could not walk? His first thought was maybe there's something I'm missing, maybe something's actually wrong with Gypsy and I just don't see it. As anyone would think because you always want to believe the mother's accusations to be true, but eventually as time went on, the thought came to his mind of maybe just maybe Dee Dee was making the entire thing up. Ding, 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 ding. Right as Dr. Flasterstein was about to get to the bottom of everything, Dee Dee some way, somehow gained access to his notes showing his suspicions on Gypsy's medical conditions, and the pair immediately stopped seeing him. Gypsy was literally this close, I don't know if it's gonna focus, but she was literally that close to being free from her mother. Unfortunately, Dr. Flasterstein did not report Dee Dee to social services. According to the reports, his colleagues told him to treat the pair with golden gloves. And I didn't get that. Could you try again? girl. He also felt that if he told authorities about what Dee Dee was doing to Gypsy, they would not believe him. Dee Dee was almost caught again in 2009 when an anonymous caller told police that Dee Dee had used several different names and birth dates for herself and her daughter and informed police that Gypsy was a lot healthier than she portrayed. Because of receiving a call about potential CA going on in a home, police are required to do a wellness check. Also, keep in mind at this point, Gypsy is not even a child anymore. It's believed that she was about 19 years old. My question is, especially because it's still uncertain, but who made that call? I, I'm really curious if it was Rod or if it was a friend of Dee Dee's or maybe even Dr. Flasterstein. I, I really don't know. If I could just be a fly on the wall and see who made that call, it would help me out a lot. Tiny little things like that drive me nuts because I'm like, who made that call? Like they could be declared as like an almost hero. Officers arrived at the Blanchard house and performed a routine wellness check. Dee Dee had opened the door with a confused smile, but willingly let them inside. She told the officers that the person who called must have been her abusive ex-husband who was always out to get her and make her and her daughter's life as difficult as possible. Police left the house and the case was closed as they believed her. With Gypsy growing up, she became more and more independent, though let me use the word independent very loosely because she is still being trapped by her mother. Gypsy was allowed to attend science fiction and fantasy conventions with her mom, of course. Dee Dee would also allow her to go onto the internet as long as she was present in the room with her. One night in 2011, Gypsy snuck into her room and grabbed the laptop. The more she did it, the more confident she became. She would spend several nights talking to a guy she met online. As she knew she was going to the convention again, as she did every year, she told him where she would be and hoped he would meet up with her. Some articles state that she was wanting to plan her escape, but honestly, from what I've read, I feel she wanted to find love. She grew up watching Disney movies where they had the princess and their prince, and Gypsy always wanted to be a princess and live her magical Disney story. And it breaks my heart to think that she didn't even have the 
thought of escaping in her mind, she just wanted to find true love. Her and Didi went to the convention when a big crowd came up and was able to separate her and her mother. Didi obviously began freaking out as she realized Gypsy was nowhere to be found and she began searching for her. Her mom then found Gypsy in a hotel room with the guy she met online. Didi gave police Gypsy's fake birth certificate showing she was only a young teenager, but that was not the case. That night, Didi smashed her computer and beat Gypsy senselessly. Fast forward to 2012, Gypsy was able to get her hands onto another computer and would go on the internet. That is where she met Nicholas Godijon. A little bit about Nicholas was he had a criminal record for indecent exposure and a history of mental illness, sometimes reported as a disassociative identity disorder. He also had autism spectrum disorder. For the next two years, they would talk religiously and the pair eventually fell in love. They dreamed of one day meeting each other in person. In 2014, Didi was almost informed about her daughter's online boyfriend when Gypsy confided in her neighbor, 23-year-old Aaliyah Woodmansey. She told Aaliyah that she had met a guy online and she had plans of wanting to marry him. Aaliyah, thinking that Gypsy was literally a minor, had had tried to talk her out of it, especially considering she thought Gypsy was 15 years old when little did she know that Gypsy was closer to her age of being 23 years old than she thought. Even though Aaliyah was worried Gypsy may be talking to a predator, she considered Gypsy's plans as, quote, just fantasies and dreams and nothing like this would ever really take place, end quote, and she did not tell Didi. According to reports, Gypsy arranged for her and Nicholas to meet for the first time in Springfield. Her plan was for him to just casually bump into her while she and Didi were at a movie theater, both of them in costume. He had planned to start a conversation with Didi and hopefully begin an organic relationship. As soon as they met in person for the first time, Nicholas tried to casually bump into them, but it didn't go as planned. Gypsy then went to the bathroom where her and Nicholas did adult things. Um, how do I say this without getting demonetized? They did the birds with the bees. Is that the saying? They they did the they did it in the bathroom at the movie theater. And the two continued their internet interactions, but after this moment of the movie theater, Gypsy was sick and tired of her mother always having a say in what she does. And that is when the couple eventually made the plan to get Gypsy freed. Gypsy knew that if she had tried to escape her mother again, she would only fail just like that convention previously where Dee Dee then found her in the hotel room. She was also scared that if she did fail again, Dee Dee would smash her electronics. So they decided to orchestrate straight a plan to not get Gypsy to run away or call the cops, but for Gypsy and Nicholas to kill Dee Dee. It breaks my heart that the only way that Gypsy thought that she could escape her mother was to unalive her mother. In 2015, Nicholas returned to Springfield and went to the Blanchard home to scope the area. Dee Dee went to bed that night and Gypsy snuck into the hallway and let him inside. She then went into the bathroom and hid while covering her ears while Nicholas did the unthinkable. He went into Dee Dee's bedroom and stabbed her 17 times in the back while she was asleep. Her and Nicholas then did the adult act that I mentioned in the movie theater in Gypsy's bedroom. They then stole $4,000 of cash and fled to a nearby motel to plan their next steps as to what they were going to do. I also want to add that at this point, Gypsy was no longer in her wheelchair. She got up and walked out of the home with Nicholas and she disguised herself in various wigs. 
To prevent them being caught with the murder weapon, they mailed it back to Nicholas's home in Wisconsin and they took a bus there eventually. It wasn't long until people began to raise suspicion as Dee Dee had made a recent post on Facebook that said, quote, that bitch is dead. And it was later determined that Gypsy had made that post herself. That post obviously raised a lot of suspicion. Friends and family began calling Dee Dee and all of them went unanswered. While the friends and neighbors knew that the two often left on medical trips unannounced, they saw Dee Dee's car was still in the driveway, making the explanation of an unannounced trip not likely. The neighbors also knocked on the doors, but no one answered. When police arrived, they couldn't get into the home as they did not have a search warrant, but allowed one of the neighbors present to go through a window in the home. When they entered the home, they immediately were faced with the foul smell of death, and when they entered into Dee Dee's bedroom, they were horrified at what they saw. That is when they found her body. Responded at 3.15 in the afternoon. We received information about a Facebook post uh, that, that showed up when we Checked the house to check the well-being. We found a uh, a window that was unsecure, but the screen was on it, so we don't believe that was an, an entry point. Uh, but that allowed a neighbor to go inside and check, and that's when we found Dee Dee Blanchard uh, deceased and uh, of a violent nature. The entire community was worried for Gypsy's safety as the wheelchair was left behind and they were under the impression she couldn't walk. Even if Gypsy had not been harmed, they believed she would be helpless without her wheelchair, medications, and support equipment like the oxygen tanks and feeding tubes. Aaliyah then told police about Gypsy's online boyfriend as she feared that he had something to do with this. They were able to access the information that had his full name and address. They also noticed that the mysterious Facebook post by Dee Dee was posted in Wisconsin. The next day, they raided Nicholas's home and him and Gypsy were taken into custody on charges of murder. Your mom's dead, okay? Now, what I want to ask you is, your, your, mom's, your mom's passed away, okay? And she's deceased, all right? Now, what I want to ask you, did you have involvement in this? To say everyone was shocked to see Gypsy out of a wheelchair and I don't know, walking is an understatement. Especially like in terms of like Aaliyah, the neighbor. Imagine being raised as someone who knows their neighbor is bound in a wheelchair, has all these medical conditions, then to see that her mother is unalive. The next time you see Gypsy is she's out walking on her two feet with no feeding tube, no oxygen tank. I, I can only imagine the shock that everyone, friends, family, the whole community felt. After trial, Gypsy received 10 years in prison and Nicholas received life in prison with an additional 25 years. There is other information regarding the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, but as I said before, I just wanted to give you guys enough information to where you could form your opinion on what I'm about to tell you next. Gypsy is set to be released by the end of this year, 2023, or the beginning of next year, January of 2024, which in my opinion is amazing. Though I want to argue she should have been released several years ago. She later told reporters that she feels more free being locked away in prison than she ever felt living with her mother. If that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what would. Since being in prison, she had developed a relationship with one of her pen pals that would write her in prison, and as of recently, she had became engaged and the pair eventually 
recently married. Here's a little nugget of information to hopefully briefly light up the mood. Josh Sider was a former contestant on The Bachelorette, which didn't go far as he was eliminated after the first week, but he apparently wrote a flirty letter to Gypsy implying he wanted to pursue a relationship while she was in prison and she replied, quote, I don't know who you are or why you chose me to try and find your 15 minutes of fame, but I have friends everywhere and I know what lies you've told online. I am a married woman. My husband's name is Ryan Anderson and we do not appreciate crazy people like you spreading lies. People like you disgust me. Trying to prey on the vulnerable, well let me tell you something. I may look cute but I have a smart a mouth and I'm not afraid to tell you to go F yourself. Bravo Gypsy. Bravo Gypsy. She is the queen of petty and I, I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. After Josh posted her response, he later told TV show Ace, quote, it is a shame Gypsy Rose accused me of being a clout chaser for messaging her. I genuinely just wanted to use my law degree to help get her released from prison. Yes, I was open to romantic connection, but I followed her case for a few years now and just wanted to lend my legal assistance. I wish nothing but the best and hope the homicide conviction for killing her mother doesn't prevent her from living an amazing life on the outside, end quote. I'm sorry, but I don't believe Josh one bit, especially if he would have done even an ounce of digging. Reports would have told him that she was engaged, if not married at this time. So why would he send her a letter to get any attraction or any any interaction from Gypsy. Someone with the name of Shell even commented, quote, this guy is the world's biggest clout chaser and liar. Everything he does is a publicity stunt. He is 100% said he was going to pursue a relationship with her because he thought she was beautiful. Now, all of a sudden, since he's been shot down, he just wanted to be her lawyer. Liar, liar, pants on fire, end quote. With her response in your mind, let's just play devil's advocate and say, yes, maybe Josh was reaching out to her to provide her some lawyer support and try to lessen her sentencing, even though she's literally going to be getting released in the next end of the year. Also say that his message was not flirty in the slightest. I still do not think that is grounds for anyone to hate on Gypsy's response or what she said to him. Keep in mind, she has been through 23 years of CA from her mother and she is finally getting her freedom and independence back. According to the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, they stated, quote, many physically abused children become aggressive themselves or have other behavioral problems. Aggression and acting out are very common, but there are a wide range of reactions, end quote. You could argue that this trait that is commonly developed during large amounts of abuse could give her reason for having a, quote, rude response to Josh, and if I wanted to stretch it even further, it could also explain what led her to orchestrate the plan to unalive her mother. According to crimetraveler.org, they wrote, quote, researchers who study serial have noted that a large percentage have suffered childhood and trauma, leading to the suggestion that this could have contributed to their murderous behavior in later life, end quote. I have brought forward all the sources today because I really need to back up my opinion with sources on this case. When I first started the Crime Brought to Light podcast on TikTok, I had made one video about Gypsy Rose Blanchard and I basically was saying stuff in her defense, saying that she shouldn't be freed. And even though I did receive a lot of comments that were like, yeah, we fully agree with you, 
there was still a pretty good chunk of people that were like, no, she should be in prison. I don't see how people can ignore the fact that she was literally being abused for 23 years straight. Do I think unaliving her mother was the solution to her issues? No. Do I also think that with her limited resources, she very well did not know that she could have just called police and told them herself? Yes. I know that Didi was her mother, but at what point could someone rule that Didi had kidnapped her and was torturing her? The amount of medicines, the feeding tube, the shaving of her head, the wheelchair, not allowing her to walk, and that is just the physical abuse. When I look at her story, I see someone trying to escape, not someone trying to take someone's life. She had made several attempts to get help or even leave her mother's home, but nothing was working for her. That leads me to my next topic of an even more controversial conversation of Nicholas Godijohn. This is where people get really bothered with the entire story. As you know, Gypsy only received 10 years in prison as she was the one who orchestrated the plan but did not commit the brutal act. Nicholas was the one who unalived Didi and received life in prison plus an additional 25 years. According to reports, he was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, which is a developmental disability. In August of 2022, just last year, he asked the same judge that gave him life in prison plus an additional 25 years for a lighter sentence. His attorneys argued that Nicholas's original lawyers failed to be on his side even after the case gained extreme media attention. His lawyers also failed to present the jury with enough witnesses or at this point even valuable evidence supporting Nicholas's case, one of which was that he suffered with autism spectrum disorder. That would have shined a much brighter light on Nicholas than the original light shined on him at the beginning of trial, painting him to be this monster. His now lawyers even through Gypsy under the bus by informing the judge that there's evidence she was the one who planned the majority of the unaliving and Nicholas simply acted on what she told him to do, considering she painted a picture of a beautiful life that the couple could live after being freed from Dee Dee. Do I think Gypsy was lying to Nicholas about this life that they had planned together? Absolutely not. I think that from the beginning, she mentioned that she wanted to live this Disney princess life and find the love of her life, her soulmate even, if you will. And she knew that Didi, her mother, was the one getting in the way of her living that dream that she had. Do I think Nicholas deserves life in prison plus an additional 25 years? Absolutely not. I think both of them should have been given lighter sentences. I want to add, I do feel Nicholas should have still been given somewhat a higher sentence from Gypsy, being that he did commit the unaliving himself and she just made the plan to do it. Though I don't think he should have been given over a hundred years more than Gypsy's. Now, this is the part where I give you the option to form your own opinion. Um, I really want you to let me know your thoughts in the comments, your honest thoughts. Like, I'm I really want to see both sides. I, I'm curious to see if there are people who think Gypsy and Nicholas deserved the sentence that they got. And I'm also curious to see if there are people who think like me and think that both of their sentences should have been less. Currently, there is a change.org for Nicholas to get a lighter sentencing. It has around 10,000 signatures. I certainly am not going to be telling you what to do, but I will tell you that I personally signed the petition just because I feel that he should be given a lesser sentence. If you are interested in even just looking at the change.org, I've put it, it's the first link in my description of the video 
video. There currently are no petitions for Gypsy Rose Blanchard to be released from prison early, but let me add that the process of court and trials and sentencing is not as fast as the movies or TV shows portray. It takes months, years, sometimes even a decade, I feel like. It, it takes forever, needless to say. Even if there was a petition that met all of the signatures for even this tiniest thing to be done, Gypsy is set to be released by the end of this year. It, it would take months, if not years, for anything to be done. So by the time something was done or the change.org got to the jury's attention, she's already going to be out and free. To put a big fat cherry on top of this story, I want to add that when Gypsy Rose Blanchard gets released from prison, please handle her with care. She has been through hell and back, and the least that she deserves is just a life of freedom. She's now married now. Let her experience life. Don't crowd her. Don't call her a murderer. Don't do any of that stuff. Just let her live in peace. My next episode is set to go live on next, next Sunday. I want to preface that this video took me a long, long, long time to edit. So it is essential that you follow my Instagram, Crime Brought to Light, just in case if I am not able to produce a video by next, next Sunday. If you enjoyed this video, a free way to support me is by liking, subscribing, or commenting, or honestly even watching the video from start to finish. If it wasn't for the caffeine or you guys supporting me, these videos would not exist and I would not have the opportunity to do deep dives and raise awareness on things that I think should be raised awareness on. <laughs> words? I don't know where my words are at right now. <laughs> Needless to say, I will see you guys next, next Sunday, hopefully. And without further ado, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Stay safe.